and wait and wait and baby I'm TFC Chalanja. Hello and welcome back to another Toronto Till I Die. <laughs> that's my favorite. That, that oh is, my god, uh, that's my yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the internet for you, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Uh, but welcome back to another episode of Toronto Till I Die, the TFC fan show. Hopefully, internet problem free going forward. Uh, Mike Newell uh, and. Uh, and if Saturday's match was the preview for the home opener, then Saturday will be as dull as Thor: Love and Thunder. I'm bringing that up. Watch <laughs> oh. it over the weekend. Uh, and spoiler, yeah, it ain't great. Mm-hmm. Don't. Uh, um, yeah. Come on. We'll, we'll quickly recap uh, Saturday's one-one draw against Atlanta. Read your answers to this week's burning question. Uh, you, you guys have a lot of opinions on that. Uh, preview uh, this weekend's home opener against Columbus and, of course, finish off our over-unders for TFC players in 2023. But before we get all to that, um, got to bring in the co-host, Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker. Gents, how you doing? Uh, hopefully my internet uh, doesn't uh, crap out again. Uh, but how were your weekends? We can't even blame a snowstorm. Listen, you it Love and Thunder's been out for a long time. So you're not you're not getting the hearts and minds of the Marvel Cinematic Universe people like eight months later saying, I just watched it and it's bad, so don't watch it. They've watched already. I agree with you. Um I have one note from the show that I missed. You know, if your favorite donut shouts are Krispy Kreme and a double chocolate donut. I don't think you guys actually like donuts. I think maybe you hate donuts. That was my like thing, by the way. Not not no, a- no, Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme is the absolute worst. It's like it's the oh, American mall of the mall of America version of a donut. It's like, well, let's just put all like there's some sugar on donuts. Let what, what would happen if we put all of the sugar on a donut? Like it Can is we make that a recurring uh, segment. Mm-hmm. It just shadowed our favorite like random food. So we already we sort of burgers. have this year. We, yeah. we kind we kind of have donuts. Like, Osmosis, yeah. Pizza. Let's go pizza this week. Ooh, uh, pizza, gotta, pizza joint. Yeah, I got Wondies a place here right in Hamilton now. called Shorties. That's that's the spot. Uh, if you're in Hamilton, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what Shorties? Uh, it's a pizza place in Hamilton down the street from my house, and I spend way too much money there. Nice. <laughs> is it like a local nice. pizza joint? It is a local pizza joint. I think they have so another one of, in Winnipeg or something, but other than that, that's it. What kind of mm. pizza are we talking? A New York-style, thin, foldable um foldable yeah they do abruzzo that's a good shout abruzzo and thornhill is good shout. my jam um i go full hog on the slice but um you know pretty much any of the toppings that you want they do like a really great uh one with like kale bacon uh hot honey on it which is just really good everybody's doing that now but it's a good it's a good pie also if you you can't a new york slice you can't decide if you're going to fold or not it, it it's essential otherwise you're gonna wear it like you have to you have to fold you the have new york slice it. you have to fold the new york slice so so you're talking about like a like a toronto slice maker's pizza is really awesome uh blondie's is the food guys or the food dudes who catered my wedding which we didn't know about um you had i mean pizza at your wedding? Uh, no no but the food dudes catered our wedding and, and oh, okay. one of their one of their ventures um uh-huh. trying to think of the one that i really like uh uh 
uh, North of Brooklyn. That's a good one. North that's of a really good, good pizza one. place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We're yeah, blessed with a lot of good pizza options. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't eat all the pizza <laughs> there is to eat at all times? It's the perfect food. It's so fantastic. <laughs> when I went to Chicago, I feel like I talk about Chicago every episode now, but every week, Chicago, every shout week. out Chicago. I went, mm-hmm. I did Giordano. Getting them a fire. So pit. I didn't do Lumen. Lou, Manati's, I think, was the other spot that people were saying to show or to try. I didn't do it. No, Lou, um, Lou, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did Giardinos, but that's fine. You have your Giardinos, yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, you can only have like I think I've said this, but you can only have one of those, and mm-hmm. you're you're done. Like deep dish is a serious, serious cut. There's a sourdough pizza place on the east end that's fantastic, and there's also Descendants, which is the Detroit style pizza that <laughs> that's like that's a good. That's a I good spent slice. Two birthdays that's, there. that's like a that's a lasagna. I mean, like that is. I mean, it is. It is serious. One slice and you're done. Have Absolutely. you guys had? Uh, have you guys had Batty Alleys? I think that's what no. It's I've heard about it, but I have Batty Alleys. I'm gonna have it now. No, you yeah. should. There's usually a lineup like out the door. Um, it's pretty close to Beemo Field, actually. So highly recommend mm. that one. Everybody raves about it. I've had it once. Um, I didn't get a true authentic experience though because I had it a little bit cold. Um, but mm. people continue to rave about it and the lineups out the door for that place speak volumes for it. So Any, uh, I, yeah, anybody that's going there before the game this weekend is going to have a cold slice guaranteed. So, uh, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not going to be warm. It's, yeah, it's uh, so warm. if you, you might want to hold off until the, until the, until the body summer months to, uh, to try. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Batty alleys, but uh, um, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll continue on our food odyssey on next episode. Uh, we'll kind of figure out which uh, which I'm making a title for hit. that. Yeah, mm. which food group we're gonna hit next? Um, but let's uh, let's jump into it really quickly here uh, with TFC and with uh, the result on the weekend, one one against Atlanta. Uh, Federico Bernardeschi opening the scoring in the 50, I believe, second minute, and. Um, uh, Rosetto uh, scoring in the 60th uh, to tie it up. It looked like Atlanta were going to take all three points, but uh, Var the friend actually came through um, in the clutch for TFC, which is a rarity these days. Really quick question before we get into like all the talking points and stuff. This is mm-hmm. a talking point, and it was the big talking point actually on MLS 360 on the Rip Around Show. Um, but did you think? Uh, the, the the striker was offside uh, on that goal? On that, well, on that not given second Atlanta goal? Um, the angle that we're shown isn't necessarily the correct angle. Uh, right? Yeah. So on the, based on the angle that we were shown, I could see a legitimate case and a legitimate argument for, uh, yeah, them being onside i think sigurd roasted was the player in question about whether or not he got them on and i understand why there is frustration and debate that being said i mean i'm not sure if it's the exact same technology as they use in europe and in the premier league but Mm. they have that down to like the t it's not even like it's black or white right it's not is he maybe offside what do you guys think is it too close to call like it literally by a toenail you could be offside and they're going to call you offside so if they use a similar technology than that then i think with the correct call i have no reason to question it call went our way i don't question it when it doesn't (laughs) i do question it (laughs) fair enough i mean look i i I think 
we, we talked about the Tele Club, but yeah, it, the camera angle looks makes it look like he's onside. Like I looked at it on TV and thought, uh, we might have got away with one, but in hindsight, lenses compress and expand space. That's what they well, do. Well, that's right? the thing, so right? In, in the it, way, that's why you need the technology. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's uh, been brought up before, especially at Mercedes Benz Stadium. The way that the that stadium is cut weird, right? Especially in the corners. Because mm-hmm. just the way it is, and I guess it's to accommodate the NFL field, but um, the camera angles to get things like offside are not quite on. So you're a little bit hmm. on the not quite the right angle. So it can make things look on or off that aren't and, actually. And, and alas, look, the it, lines it did. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the lines when we look, she put her flag up immediately and like like 95% of the time, the lines people who put their their flags up immediately in that case, they're they're usually right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, every time I watch a game at Mercedes-Benz Arena, and this is this is bad because it is such a palace, but that carpet is got it it lo- it just looks like hell to play on. It really, really, really does. Like it, like it looks. I don't I, I I mean I can't speak for it but it doesn't do what I expect turf to do like you don't see those rubber bits come flying up on tackles and stuff it just looks like they're playing on pavement like a like a you know it I, I can't imagine how uncomfortable that must be and I it so, has to affect teams prior to the game Bob Bradley was asked uh whether he relishes the opportunity to go play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and if he enjoys <laughs> it um and he gave a long-winded answer uh, about how great their supporters are and, like, you know, the yeah. environment to show up to their games. But, but, but if he, he's like, if you're asking me if it's my favorite place to play, he's like, no, not even close. And he went mm. on to talk about how he personally hates playing on turf and going on essentially what you're saying there, Jeff. He's not, not loving the turf there. And I think uh, maybe that's part of the reason we saw a few injuries. Well, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we go into uh, the game without Lorenzo Insigne. Um, definitely a formation change uh, for the team going into kind of a 4-2-3-1, a 4-4-1-1, depending on whether they have the ball or not. Um, and you see Brendan Cervania inserted into the lineup for Lorenzo Insigne. So more solidity in the midfield. And definitely this was a bend let's bend but not break game plan here guys what did you think about the the tactical change by uh, bob bradley for this game i was fascinated but i thought it was the right thing to do just based on the personnel that they had so i was i was assuming you know iowa canola would get a start i thought when he came on against dc united he looked good in the left wing position at least i mean good is relative but he looked fairly dangerous Confident. at times yeah exactly he looked like he could do it do a role there. A job. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So seeing Federico Bernardeschi play as almost a secondary striker, I thought I liked it because, mm-hmm. you know, we're brainstorming here at times and we're saying, oh, you know, Bob Bradley can never, you know, adjust from his formation. He can't play a non four three three. Like that's what he wants to do. He's going to be stubborn. He's going to do it. Well, surprise, surprise, you show up and you're in more of a four, two, three, one. Um, a bit of a double pivot there with Mark Anthony Kay and Michael Bradley, but then at times dropping back into a four four two with Osorio and Brandon Cervania on the wings. Um, I thought the first stretch of the game, they actually didn't start too great. And there was a lot of space down the right-hand side. And Jonathan Osorio was asked to do a ton of work to track back and 
and essentially close off that space. Um, but they adjusted throughout the match. And I thought by the end of the game, they got the job done, which was essentially survive, hold on, defend <laughs> in any way possible and kind of salvage at a point, which they ended up doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you remember when Atlanta first came into the league and every scoreline was 2-2 inexplicably for like what seemed like 100,000 years and we just, they were always 2-2 draws? Um, you know, getting a draw with Atlanta is kind of a part of our heritage. Um, and I do think that the, you know, uh, it's a point away and uh, away games have always been difficult in this league. It looks like they're going to be monstrously difficult uh, this season. Um so yeah, I, I'll take it, but you know, the same concerns and I missed a week. This is the, this is the same concerns we've had for a very long time. Um, you know, yeah, the positive Berna as Seba was, was pretty amazing. I liked, I like seeing Berna in that Seba role and, uh, he's putting the team on his back and, uh, yeah, Sean Johnson. Wow. Holy wow. Holy oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah, we got him here down as a five-star performance, right? Like I know, I guess officially through the TFC app, Federico Bernardeschi was named man of the match, but let's be real here. Uh, Sean yeah. Johnson was the man of the match, um, essentially doing what you pay goalkeepers, you know, at that level and for that money to do, which is sometimes win you points, right? And in, in, in certain situations, and in that case, Sean, Sean Johnson 100% did that for TFC. Uh, on Saturday night. It's kind of a blur for me. Mm -hmm. Did he make any like saves where like, wow, like what a, what a save he stole that goal away from uh, a couple. Yeah. I would say there's a couple that yeah, I would say dives, last year. Yeah. They go in. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, think, I think that's McGurts agrees with you. There were, uh, I mean, some of them, the shot was right at him, but like, Maybe that has more to do with he was in the right place, but yeah, like those. I remember there was one. Before. There was one in the first half mm -hmm. where the, it was actually offside. Uh, Tiago Amada slipped the ball through into I think it was Araujo, um, but Sean Johnson mm -hmm. made an incredible save on a breakaway. It was eventually was flagged for offside, but I do remember that save in particular that stood out to me. Um, he There's made only... another save in the second half um, off a yeah, shot most that of his ended up being deflected off, half. I believe, or it might have been in the first half, that it was deflected off of Matt Hedges. Um, not the goal, obviously. The goal took a double deflection, but um, mm -hmm. there was another one that went off uh, Matt Hedges that was a slight deflection, but he had to adjust really quickly to make the save uh, down yeah. to his, uh, it would have been to his left. Um, that, again, I think last year that probably ends up in that's the back the narrative. of the net. and yeah, and and gray brings up a great point too like did you see the one where he parried the ball away and it almost went 45 yards in the other direction if that had been bones <laughs> it would have ended up you know a loose ball for their pulse goals equivalent to snap up and and pot um yeah i mean and christopher saying it too like if you his positioning was amazing like if you watch him in the lead up to some of those atlanta attempts like just the way he's watching the ball, you know, he puts himself in the right place. He's just, he's very confident. Yeah. I think he, he made the saves that he needed to make and we can last year, we didn't necessarily say that all the time. Uh, when yeah, TFC, yeah, needed that's us, what Bob Bradley said yeah. essentially was when TFC needed him, he was there. And I think that's absolutely true. Um, I do just want to point out that like expand Atlanta United's expected goals was like 0 0.9. Now, read into mm. that stat exactly what you want, but I think that does 
say that TFC's defense was a lot better than maybe the possession numbers showed and the, the way the game felt overall. Where, yeah, sure, they were absorbing a lot of pressure, but they didn't really allow too many clear-cut opportunities for Atlanta. No, I, I agree. And I think that was part of the commentary on on, on the broadcast. Um, Danny Higginbotham sort of mentioned this, that there was different ways to control games. Um, and I thought that TFC with their game plan, although, yes, okay, not pretty. We are accustomed to Toronto FC having a lot of position and moving the ball around. In this game, they controlled the game in the sense that they put Atlanta in positions that they wanted them to do. Like, if you wanted to beat us and you want to go down the wings, go do so. But you're not going to give it to Tiago Almada. He's not going to pick it up in a pocket of state in space above the 18-yard box and try to run at us or try to hit a shot from there. That's just not going to happen. And for the most part, TFC were able to do that. Wasn't always pretty. Um, it wasn't uh, the the cleanest way to play, but and, and uh, not aesthetically pleasing by any stretch of the imagination. I think at some point in the first half, I think the possession was like uh, seventy seven to twenty three, something something ridiculous like that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's again. Sometimes you have to be pragmatic, and it's part of the burning question. We'll bring that up in a second, but. Yeah, that is definitely, um, you know, it, it's a way that sometimes you need to go just to get a point. It, it's good that this team finds a way to grind out points and not do it in a fantastic 4-3 shootout game. I like the way we're spinning it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there any part of you that feels that TFC were just lucky? A bit. Yes. Well, you play like the way, yes, but I mean, we, when you're saying Ben don't break, you know. Yeah, there is going yeah, to be an it's element. Yeah, it's a game. It's a well. kamikaze game plan. Absolutely. Like, I mean, what was the final possession stats? Like, I read seventy thirty three. Oh the my most. god! I mean, when you when you invite that kind of pressure, and granted, I think Newell's right on point here by saying they said fil- filter it out to the wings. You're not going to get your guys on the ball on the way that I don't you think that like. a choice. Let's see, let's, yeah, let, exactly. But again, um, you know, you're inviting chaos and so thankfully we had the stout defense and the and and sean john between the sticks to to sort of uh uh, counter the chaos that we invited but yeah it's a hell of a game plan and that's why i think i think you said it mike or or maybe both of you did that this game's a bit of an outlier but you know the question was were we lucky absolutely you need you need a certain amount of luck to uh come away even with a result with that kind of conceding that much possession right like you are inviting chaos and uh, my other point is that I'd be a lot better about this narrative of look at T- how TFC can grind out games if it wasn't our only point of the season, including the preseason that we have and we have not yeah. watched, right? There's a certain recency bias there that it's like, isn't it great that can, T- that can TFC can get points this way? Well, the obvious follow-up to that right now is this is the only way they're getting points, right? So it's kind of a flawed argument, like... You know, when 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 we see the four three blowout, then we can start celebrating the gritty wins. But right now, or the gritty draws. But right now, the gritty draws are our ceiling. So that that's my issue with 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 the narrative. Well, and, and I get that. I hundred percent understand that sort of the the view of that narrative. However, this team doesn't know how to win together right now. Like they don't. Like they like you know that's realistically, fair. they don't know how to. You know, they, they can play football. 2020, baby. Well, look, that, okay. But I mean, like they can, they can find ways to play football when they want to play football, but 
can they see out a result? Can they can they really put together you know a string of performances in which you can be like, yeah, okay, they they look all right. Right now, they cannot do that, and you can tell on the pitch right now that the team is not a hundred percent gelled yet. Like you can tell they're not all comfortable with each other in terms of where they're going to be and when they make passes, things like that. So to me, it's like, uh, you know, at this point, it's like, you got to get results, how you can get results. And you can sort of build from there and try to get yourself into the, where you want to be. But this team is not going to be there day one. Yeah. I mean, let, let me, let me bring it to my favorite topic of conversation right now on paper. Arsenal is supposed to, um, Oh my God. Now I forget what team they played. They, uh, what, what, who did we beat? Uh, uh, yeah, there we go. Bournemouth. I wanted to say Brighton on paper. We should have beat Bournemouth, but we didn't. It took this magical comeback. It's that game's going to be remembered as a comeback, but it's still on paper should have been a cakewalk. So everything's, everything's relative. And then my other point is, um, and I wanted to bring this up. It's another Turtz McGirtz there. He had no chance on that second goal, on on the Atlanta goal. Sorry, on the tying goal. Like, absolutely no chance. I have never seen a goal where a keeper had less of a chance. Like, it took a double deflection and still had such teeth on it that it was like, (laughs) it was still a rocket. So, like, you know, I'm not going to fault him for that that goal. No, I think Kurtz's point is just the fact that Atlanta's goal was lucky. Therefore, it could have been a 1-0 road win. So, in a sense... Mm -hmm. Atlanta were lucky. Yeah. That no, that's that goal was coming. (laughs) I think that goal was coming at that point. I think of the whole scope of the game, like I think Atlanta probably deserved to win that one. And I I, I Mm. bet you if you ask anyone in that TFC locker room, they'll tell you the exact same thing. Uh Bod Bradley pretty much said it at the end of his game, like when Hmm. when he was asked about his takeaway from the game, he just said, you know, the football wasn't there, but we found a way to to get a good point yeah. on the road. And sometimes that's, and okay. that's a positive. That's yeah, a positive moving okay. forward. That cannot be under understated. Like the team now knows they can do that. And okay. so like, they've got that in their toolbox and, and that can't not be a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say like, it's great that we're talking about TFC's defensive improvements this year. Cause obviously that was something they set out to address. And it seems so far early eye test is that they have made strides in that department. But it's funny that I have such big question marks about this team's ability to play the game that they want to play, which is a possession solve game where you create lots of chances and you essentially just pound the ball down your opponent's throat. I've, I don't know if TFC are capable of I question whether or not they're capable of doing that. This, There's nothing that I've seen so far in the very limited preseason game that we saw against the Galaxy, who, by the way, are 0-2 now. Um, mm-hmm. DC United, We maybe we saw a good stretch of 20 to 25 minutes in the second half, uh, but that first half was dreadful. And then Atlanta United, there wasn't really much that they gave you throughout the whole course of this match. Um, there was little moments maybe here and there, but I haven't seen this TFC team yet to boss a game and in the way that they want to boss a game. So it's funny that now the narrative was going to start shifting towards, can this TFC team consistently score goals and control games? 
as opposed to can this TFC team keep the ball out of the back of their net? Yep, yep. I don't well, know. Do you guys feel the same way, or is that? Well, I, I mean, because... I'm listening to you, and I'm like, we addressed we addressed the back line. It's like it's like a ship that's sinking. You know, you plug the hole, and then there's two more holes that come out, right? Or like BB-8 when he's trying to fix pose lasers in uh, in the Last Jedi, right? It's a it's a different fuse that breaks every time. It. I mean, how can it not point to? You know what? I take that back because this is all about hope, and and I wanted to say bad roster construction, but you know we that we had to address the the defense. It's just it's just weird that like a house of cards, it's it seems to be falling down. You know, once you put your attention to one area of the pitch, the other areas suffer. So, yeah, well, it, yeah. I mean, it, Gray it, agrees with you. Yeah, and I think look, the, it it leads into our burning question. It leads into a couple of other things, right? We talked a lot about the midfield last week, right? And that was seeming to be the big sort of talking point from a lot of people. And we moved to a a, a midfield four this week. Um, you know, that sometimes morphed into a five, sometimes you know, but generally it's a four. And okay, again, not pretty, but a lot more stable in terms of being able to win the ball back, being able to to help defensively. Is that the best way for this team to go potentially for a bit until it flows, or do you keep trying that four four that uh, four three three until it works? Right, like you know that that's a question to be asked because you know okay, one game and Mike, you made the point last week that. Yes, that midfield three haven't had a lot of games together. They may know each other personally, but haven't actually played a lot of football together. Um, but do you, I mean, Lorenzo Insigne may be back next week. I think mm-hmm. that might be it out, but he might be back next week. That'll Are be- you going to play him in a 4-2-3-1? Like, is he going to be the third midfielder on the left? Like, is that really <laughs> where you want to play him? Like, you know, if that's the case, then maybe, but you're probably going back to the 4-3-3. And can you... I don't know if this team can actually play the way they want to play right now. I agree with you, Mike. There, is, there are questions around that. Huge um, questions. Just well, because they huge. give the ball in bad positions and they in, and they don't seem to be able to connect enough passes to to really make something dangerous outside of a moment of magic from Federico Bernardeschi. Yeah, the, the team's lacking sharpness, right? They, mm-hmm. It's their first touch that's letting them down. It's their decision-making in tight areas. It's their accuracy on their passes. It's little things that you would want out of a team that wants to play the style that you want to play, which is a possession oriented game that's letting them down. So I don't think they have right now, the way that they're performing, they don't have the ability. That being said, a game at home changes a lot of that. And mm-hmm. we're approaching mm-hmm. the home opener though. We've started the season with two games on the road. And I do want to mention, like I do believe the way that they played against Atlanta was the way that they had to play. And I thought that was going to be the case heading into this match, was that they were going to have to absorb a ton of pressure. Atlanta United, especially at home uh, on the turf, is a team that likes to keep possession, and and they play really well at home, right? It's We've known that for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a very good point. So I, I wasn't surprised at the fact. Now, I'm interested to see exactly what this team looks like, not to get ahead of ourselves, but just this weekend mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. Are you going to play that exciting attacking style of football that we know that TFC can play in front of its home crowd, or, or will they have to be forced by Columbus, who is a pretty decent team, to sit back and, and defend again? That's something I'm going to be watching out for, uh, for sure, because I don't really know exactly what this team's identity is right now. To be completely honest with you, I know yeah, what they want to do, but yeah. I just don't know what it is. 
Yeah, and and we'll talk about that in the in the preview for the uh, season opener in a moment. Um, I do want to get to the burning question here because it does speak a little bit to this pragmatic style. What do people want to see out of this team, right? Like, what 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 in ideally is Toronto FC to them when they see their lineup? And the question was, would you be okay with Toronto FC grinding out wins and draws like they did on Saturday if it meant they had to be or play in a more pragmatic style? Lots of responses here. I'm going to read a few. Very mixed. I was surprised. I thought it was going to be all like, no, like we can't play like this. This is, you know, we're supposed to be just attacking. To, sorry, Go just ahead. to be Go clear. Ahead. Pragmatic. What do you mean by that? I guess from, from a pragmatic point of view, just being able to, or be, have a willingness to give, maybe give the ball a little bit to sit back and be a little bit more defensively solid in the way that you set up your team and the ways that you will play with the ball or not play with the ball. Um, and, and I don't, again, we don't know if that was fully the plan of Toronto, Toronto FC on the weekend, but it seemed very much so. Um, and, and that's what I mean by pragmatic. If, if that sort of, it's interesting that so many, so many people took that to mean park the bus, like took it to the uh, the extreme of pragmatism, right? Because I think you were more talking about, listen, Bob is very, very stubborn into his preferred system. So I think you were mostly saying, you know, the adaptability from Bob. And it's funny yeah. that so many people took it to, I'm not going to say an illogical, but they took it to an extreme where, you know, uh, uh, it, it became about parking. The well, bus. I get, I get why I get why people go that route because they look at Saturday and they're looking at the fact that you know Atlanta has seventy seven percent possession of the ball at one point. Like it didn't look like Toronto FC was able to connect any passes before Diamande went they down weren't. with injury. <laughs> they, no, exactly they right. They could, no, couldn't. Exactly. Hold they the ball up. It, look, it looked like it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he, like he, you know, he couldn't, he, he, you know, they couldn't keep the ball at any point when they did get it, you know, and, and it couldn't seem to sustain it, even if they're trying to counterattack, right? It just didn't look like they could until Michael yeah. Riley slipped that amazing ball to Federico Bernardeschi in the second half. But a couple mm-hmm. of responses here. Um, so from Greg Finley just saying, um, I'm okay with pragmatic until the defense becomes more settled. Once the defense has gelled, they should become more offensive minded. The good news is that the defense looked much better than last week. I think the four two, three, one formation also suits Michael Bradley and Mark Anthony K better. Love to get your thoughts really quickly on that because this idea of how to best use those midfielders, especially K and Bradley, because it did look like they were more comfortable sort of sitting back and shielding the back four than they were in the three therein lies, last week. Therein lies the challenge boys, because we're, we are not building this team on Michael Bradley and Mark Anthony K. We're building this team on two wingers. Uh, and that cr- there therein creates creates the imbalance, right? If if we were building a team around Mac and MB four, absolutely. But the emphasis on making them comfortable ignores where our two Ferraris like to play best, um, and I think that 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 becomes a bit of an issue. I love the Go Ferrari on. shout because they're Italian. Um, mm-hmm. It just made so much sense. I like it. Thank you. But do. You- <laughs> Let's say hypothetically they do decide to play in a four-two-three-one because that gets the best out of Mark Anthony K and Michael Bradley. Do you have questions whether Insigne or Bernadeschi can play in a four-two-three-one? Is that your concern, Jeff? Yes. Well, I, I mean, I think they can play. They're elite level players, but are we maximizing their their utility? But then I mean, the question is: Are we maximizing their utility in a four-three-three where you get a 
maybe not the best version of midfield behind exactly him. exactly i mean what it, it becomes that's an the question in right yeah, yeah no no exactly that is 100 yeah. the question who do i you, personally who think a 4231 can work with this team i think it could I, I because i i that's a position where i think you can put either lorenzo or frederico underneath the striker right whoever that striker is going to be it could be hugo and bonge for for this weekend but um you know you can put you can put either one of them underneath the striker and the other one has to do a little bit more work uh in the midfield by the way shout out bernadeski for the amount of defensive work he did yeah unbelievable the man's putting the team on his back like it's it's ridiculous but right so that's what i'm saying that's why i'm saying it could potentially work i'm not saying that's the best way to line up i do actually think the 4-3-3 is the best way for this team to line up just based on the personnel that we have if you're putting your best 11 on the pitch but until this team can figure out how to play with a midfield three you know it it, if i think they can figure it out but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, my thing is, am I okay with seeing them take that pragmatic approach? I'm not because I know it's the way, not the way that they want to play. And to me, they're they're trying to become a really good team. That's something Bob always says: is they want to become a a good team, a good team that's able to contend and compete. And I think Bob Bradley's way to get there isn't by by grinding out results. I think Terrence McGregor's again, by the way, on fire, man. Um, yeah, just on says, fire. I want everyone. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with this. In certain situations, you do it, like against Atlanta United on the weekend. Perfect time. Jose Mourinho's calling. Jo- Jose Mourinho's legacy is calling. I mean, but, but, and let's talk to Greece, the Euro the Euro Cup winning Greece side. Like, it can be sustainable and it can be successful. Um, it, negative football can work. It's just not very aesthetically pleasing. And, and, but to say that it doesn't work um, and won't win titles, I think is 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 a bit closed minded. I agree with your point, though. I just I I, I can't be bought. Like it it can work. It totally can work. Yeah, and I, a couple. I, I don't necessarily agree, but yeah, fair mm. enough. And and I don't. You know, I agree. I don't think that's the preferred way to go. And look, I one hundred percent agree. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of people in here who you know who are just saying you know like you know not with how again from Anthony B just saying not with how much this team has spent on talent you can't you can't expect that that's the way you go out and get results. Um, also saying that the central midfield is non-existent and we need a striker. Yeah, okay, um, that, that is true. <laughs> and ten more center backs and, and four, fourteen more number sixes. Uh, two more. I'll read two more. Uh, Matthew uh, and Hydronic. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. Sorry, Matthew, if I butchered your last name. Um, just saying, I'm okay with them grinding out results in the short term, but I'm concerned with our lack of rotations and substitutes. Uh, we'll start to show with some of our veteran leaders and older players on the field uh, when the schedule condenses and more games are played in a short period of time. Um, speaking of that, just quickly, yeah. shout out Michael Bradley. Speaking of veteran leader, shout out Michael yeah, Bradley. Yeah, my God. Great performance. Um, okay. Yeah, can we talk, overall, can we talk about that sl- just for just a couple of seconds here? Because, look. I get a lot of people do not like Michael Bradley right now um, or want him gone or want him off the pitch or or constantly berate him for turnovers, um, which he's under pressure with two midfielders on him trying to get the ball off him. Yeah, he's probably going to turn the ball over in those situations. But generally speaking, he has been fantastic and he was pretty, pretty good last season too. 
um, you know, given, given sort of what he was working with last season and kind of now again in a, in a situation where look, Mark Anthony K has not been sharp and not played particularly great in the first two games. Um, and that's going to be his main midfield partner. And Jonathan Osorio, I also will say has not been, has not had the best start to the season either. Right. So his two midfield partners that he's supposed to be relying on to do some of that shuttling work for him have not been kind of living up to the bill so far. So who is kind of having to be extended and caught out again, running back in positions again, trying to put fires out again, it's Michael Bradley. Right. And at a certain point, it's kind of like, guys, you're going to have to realize that if you didn't have him on the field right now, we'd be in a, we'd probably be Owen two at this point. Oh yeah. yeah. Like if you look really at it, it's been incredible, incredible. Yeah. And also right. I think Mark Anthony K I know. Yeah, definitely a lot of work to do when he's on the ball, but defensively I thought he was actually really good last game. I know on the goal, hmm. he was a little bit slow getting out and blocking this, but there were so many key interceptions that he made. Uh, down the stretch of that game that were crucial timing, crucial areas of the pitch to win the ball. I thought defensively, uh, Mark Anthony K had a really, really good game. And he could be, again, he's so, I think he, I still think he's going to be really important to this team moving forward. And if he can just improve on the ball, uh, and it comes down to what I said earlier about his touches on the ball, about his passing accuracy, his ability to make, like, can Mark Anthony K come up with a final pass? I haven't seen it yet. And I question, to be honest, whether or not he's he can do it. And I think if he can find a way to add that part to his game, then I think he, he'll have a really good career here with Toronto FC, and he'll be one of our best midfielders. But I have yet to see that. Another thing I want to touch on just quickly, what did mm-hmm. you guys make of uh, Brandon Cervania's performance well i mean before we move on we've got our own resident mac whisperer in the house right like we should be asking mike newell <laughs> who's nailed entirely mark anthony k's first goal for tfc in our over-unders when is mac gonna figure out his final pass mike newell you want you want to go two for two <laughs> uh, i'm gonna you know it's kind of tough he hasn't actually been in form in almost a year right like if you consider you know his start to colorado last season wasn't super great then he was hurt then he came here Mm -hmm. right even as even this time last year with the national team right like he was you know he was still we were starting to see fluctuations in performance with the national team at this point right and that form is dipped it's definitely dipped and can he get it back yes of course he's good enough to get it back 100 i have faith 100 um but you you speak of brandon servania and look if, if the performances keep like this, I wonder if Bob Bradley starts thinking, hey, maybe you know what? I can give Mark Anthony K a, a, a game off, let Brendan Servania step into this space. We're going to play the three and see what he can do. Uh, and then hopefully that gives Mark a little time to to get his form back. What do you think? That's why we got Brendan. I think definitely Mark Anthony K is the one player in that midfield that's checking his shoulder to see how close Brandon yeah. Servania is. I love, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Brandon Cervania fan. I think the amount of yeah. ground that he covers his work rate. Um, you can tell there's talent and skill when he's on the ball and he seems like he's pretty much a relentless worker, which he comes as advertised. I love his mentality. Uh, we spoke to him last week. He said all the right things. 
Hmm. And he's confident in his ability too. Like he's he's here to play games. And I think yeah. again, if you had to pick one player in that midfield trio who is most likely to come out if Cervania, you know, continues to push the Italy, I think it's Mark Anthony K. That being said, I think he has like let's not let's not overreact here a, a little bit. Like I think Mark Anthony K has been decent. Um definitely, like I said, a lot of work on the ball but he still does play an important role next to Michael Bradley on this team and defensively, which is just something we just completely, you know, we praise TFC for being really good defensively this game. A huge part of that was Mark Anthony K. So it's not like he's anywhere close to being dropped from the 11. No, no, no. I agree. But halfway through the season, if he's still playing this, this way and he's giving up possession too cheaply, like I honestly think, I don't know if this is a stretch or not, Maybe a striker, but aside from that, he's the biggest reason right now that Toronto FC can't play the style of football that they want to play. Ooh, that's a that's a hot take, but I know it's coming from a good place. So, yeah, Be- he in a Bob Bradley four three three, your midfield is so important to keeping possession. So important, right? And so I, I think out of their two mid other midfielders, they're better at keeping possession than Mark Anthony K. So if you're third midfielder, you know, Ozo does a lot of similar things that Mark Anthony K does, um, or he's capable of doing that at, at least. So if your third midfielder isn't, you know, ball savvy, you don't keep his possession as well, right? You have yep. three guys who, I guess, have struggled to connect passes this year. And maybe I'm finger pointing Mark at Mark Anthony K a little bit, but I, I do think he might be the reason why TFC have been struggling. He's he's so key. That's what I, that's why I keep saying he's so key. Yeah, to this team. no, he is. He's so key. He's so yeah. key. And he was uh, key last year. That was the whole that was the whole point about his injuries. So I mean, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see um, as the games go on. Uh, let's move on, guys, and, and talk a little bit about um, the home opener. Um, or One do you want to jump question. in there, Jeff? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, are we concerned that we haven't seen JMR get any minutes the last two games? It's a lot of guys who haven't been getting a lot of minutes to, to start. Um, are we concerned? Uh, I'm not yet, um, but again, it, it, you could you can get me there. Um, I'm not right now because um, okay. I don't think there was a really great there was a really great moment to bring him in in the first two games. Um, I don't know if anybody had the same read, but that's kind of what I thought. I just I personally don't love the way TFC have handled JMR uh, in general, no, not just this season. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's fair. That. No, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's absolutely fair. But I I am concerned that we're not seeing him. Um, you know, when we when we start playing Oso, when we start starting Oso on the wing in place of JMR, uh, I know we want to convert him to a fullback, but you know, it just it seemed like an obvious start for JMR, and uh, he didn't get it, so there was a concern there. I mean, he, he hasn't played left wing in his career, I don't think. Oh, I thought he was. I no, thought he right. was a yeah, natural. Right. Oh, okay. So I've got yeah, him right. messed up. Sorry. Uh, here's Sorry. a here's a quick question about JMR. Then it, could it be? And and this is just again speculation. This is this is just thinking outside. Is it that he may not quite be what we think he is? Do you know what I mean? Like, I it, do we think that he's not quite? Because um, I think we've built a lot up in our minds about him. That's a fair and question. what if he's just not that? He's good, but not that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Um, 
I don't know if I have an answer for that because we haven't seen enough of him in the club. <laughs> That's fair. Trying to that find, is... but the cl- and the club's trying to figure out what the hell they are right now. So he could. I just think the be club's also extra... trying to figure out what he is. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. What's his best position? Right? Do they actually know what his best position is? And I, I guess my biggest thing with him is have the club put him in a in a position to succeed. Mm. I don't yeah. believe that's been the case. Um, they put him out with. 11 youngsters not actually 11 but they put him out with a bunch of youngsters said hey go play this new position you've never played before in your career let's see how you do and to be fair he actually did pretty decent <laughs> he was yeah, one of hey, TSC's right. better younger player better young players uh before he went down with injury and then by the time he gets better Richie Lurea comes through the door and he's displaced from TFC's plans the rest of the season essentially mm-hmm. so yeah you know like JMR is such a smart footballer that you don't see at his age. Um, he's st- I mention this all the time, but he's still growing. He's still developing um, physically. He's still growing. One of the things Bob Bradley said, I, th- I think at the end of last season, I believe, or it might've been the start of this season, Bob Bradley was asked about Jaquiel and I might have mentioned this on the podcast last year, but he said Jaquiel needs to be more checked in every day when it comes to training, when it comes to That's so difficult being when on you're the not pitch. And you're a young guy. Sure, but you you know, you gotta be a professional, I guess is the best mm. way I can put it. Um yeah, and yeah. maybe they questioned that from him last year. So, you know, when he's going through a tough time, we know listen, JMR thinks he's good right we we know that he's got a lot of belief in himself he's been built up by the club um a lot of fans acknowledge him and he hangs out with with drake like this guy is Mm -hmm. known he's he's bound to be maybe big time yeah and we'll see um as 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 the the season goes on he will get minutes at some point it's just Willie, when will well, well yeah, let's Willie? talk about the, let's talk about the home opener and see maybe that is where he'll get some minutes. Um, going into the going to the third game of the season, the TFC home opener this weekend against Columbus mm-hmm. Crew. Um, last week, you know, we said it was Tiago Almada, Tiago Almada, Tiago Almada that this team had to look after. This week, it's Zellerion, Zellerion, Zellerion. And a little bit of Cucho Hernandez that they need to <laughs> look out for. Um, this Columbus Crew team is a lot better than it was last year um, under Caleb Porter, um, and, but and- also a bit of a mess. Uh, I know you went back to your Apple subscription and just like ate Columbus's two games, so I know you have a lot of thoughts. Um, but uh, so do I. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, I, I think this before we get into the whole Columbus side of this, you know, from TFC's perspective, one, it will be good for them to be home, but I really think they need to put in a performance. You know, a lot of the comments from the burning question was like, listen, they they got to put something together to make fans believe, right? To, and we're talking about fans here. We're not necessarily talking about the yeah. minute of the schedule of football and 34 games, where are they going to end up in the table? You need to get fans, the, the club needs to get fans on side. Um, and yep. get them on, you know, on side of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to build. And I'm getting the feeling right now that fans are a lot of them that are tuned into this club most of the time are, are, are not really buying into 
what's happening, even with Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernadeschi here. I don't know if you guys are feeling that, but that's the feeling I have going into this home opener. The buzz is low in terms of confidence um, surrounding this team. But it's anger. I mean, in the bad old days, it was gallows humor. It was fun, right? Like we knew the team sucked and we had fun talking about how much they sucked, right? Now it's 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 anger. It's it's actual anger and it and and, and it's sort of festering into but no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I feel it too. You know, the fans are always fickle. Uh winning changes everything. I absolutely agree that they need to uh uh put put in a performance. I don't think a draw will do. Uh you know, it's not a must-win game mathematically, but I think for the soul of the fan base, um, they need to see something. They need to see something out of this team that's that's better than a than a one one draw at uh, Mercedes Benz. I guess my my question to you guys was: Do you think that's within our inner circle here? Is the way that I like to phrase it. That's with the diehard oh, for, TFC. Yeah, thing. for sure. It's it, it's you definitely absolutely. diehard. But, absolutely. but again, but in a lot of ways, diehards can drive narrative that aren't for always sure. true right and and that's and that's what i'm kind of alluding to here right like it's it's the idea of the club's most hardcore support that follow this club day in and day out and and know the inner workings of this club and know how this team plays or can play um can dictate a lot of how the rest of everybody outside of the bubble as i call it right perceive this team uh, and, and, and that's what I mean by they may need to put in a performance, right? Because that can drive a lot of the vibes around the club, right? Let, whether let that, me simplify whether that it, boys. penetrates the bubble or oh. not. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, let, let me simplify it. I mean, you guys said it yourself uh, following the DC game. Uh, you did your opening spiel beginning at the top of the podcast and Mikey Singh went, he took the words right out of my mouth. This team feels like nothing. There was no break between postseason to what we just saw on the first game of the season, right? I'm positing that I don't think a one, one draw with Atlanta was enough to get that bad taste out of our mouth. So we absolutely need to course correct. Do you know what I mean? We were, there was so much excitement coming into this season and all it took was that DC United result to kind of put a, put a pin right in the balloon, pop the balloon. So I do think a reset is in order. And it's not just for us. I think the team needs it as well in the locker room. Like the reason I asked the inner circle, because I obviously, I, I mean, trust me, I have my finger on the pulse of the frustration. Like we've talked about mm-hmm. this podcast all the time. TFC's season ticket numbers are what record numbers or close to record numbers this year. So if TFC all of a sudden, you know, have a bad start of the gate, but they start winning in May, for example, does it hurt them that much? Well, they've already yeah. got our season ticket money, so that's a, that's a terrible metric. Yeah, right? and, 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 and I guess there's different ways to it's look at It's also like when that. the weather starts to get nicer yeah, and more Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, like, I... I I could capably argue that now that COVID is so much further in the rear view, people are looking for things to spend money on and why not embrace this team that spent a lot. Of, like I could capably get in the debate club and look for non-soccer reasons as to why uh, season ticket numbers are up. And again, there was a lot of optimism in this offseason, you know, of things things finally clicking. 
Yeah, and it, look, I, I, I'm not I'm not talking about it from a business perspective. Like people can people still come out to watch TFC. You've got two mm. you know Euro winning stars on the team, and they're they're well promoted and, and things like that. That's not mm-hmm. really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the idea of this team and the way that this the club has spent money on the team. The, the expectation is is winning right it, it let, let's yeah. not get around that the expectation is to win um yep. and you know again mls cup is another thing in my opinion but i think that the idea is that this team is going to win and be entertaining at home and 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 play good football and i feel like right now yes of course within the bubble but a little bit outside the bubble too because i'm talking to people that are not in the bubble at, at all but they kind of you know through osmosis can figure out what's going on with the club and see the results and things like that. And, and that's starting to creep out there a little bit, you know, and, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that it's going to dampen season ticket numbers or people aren't going to show up to games or things like that, though it has happened in the past, but I, yep. I, I'm just talking about the vibes, right? The, the general yeah, the vibes, vibes yeah. around the, and that's what I'm talking. And it can get, it can get a little sour. Um, and I, and it, it, I get that feeling a little bit. I know Twitter is not the, Definitely. The antithesis of of all of those feelings, obviously, um, but I, I some of those are escaping outside of that box, and and it, it's an interesting thing to watch right now. Mm-hmm. And also, and, listen, I'll I'll see that point, and I'll raise you. This Apple TV deal may also be a blessing and a curse because if you look at answers to the burning questions, you know, uh, Rob's answer he ended with. How come Atlanta was able to retool so quickly? Presume again, it's a take, but it looks like Atlanta was able to retool quicker, and now they're a class above TFC. That's all. I'm not. It's not verbatim, but it's very close to what he's saying. So you know, as the league becomes more accessible, and you get to see all the narratives and catch all the other things, people will be comparing people that may necess- not necessarily have been comparing before, and find TFC wanting. So it's just another source. Of the potential frustration but i mean listen turts is on fire today and it's another <laughs> on fire comment perspective is skewed because we haven't played a home match i mean how many times is mike singh going to say it this weekend changes everything either good or bad you know uh and I, if it's I think a, that's, if that's it's, i'm not i'm not there yet like it's not going to change everything for me like if tfc hmm. if lorenzo and Senya can only play 45 minutes let's just say hypothetically throwing that number sure. out there and tfc don't have a great performance am i writing their season off like no no of course not of course not no. you but know what i mean is, like is the temperature gonna rise 100 percent. is it is it that much yet or maybe it is like maybe hmm. no like, I'm not, the, bob bradley's job is not in danger like that that's not that's not what i'm talking about either i'm talking yeah i mean it could be but not like right now no it's not i i think it's just again like i said vibes matter right my vibes do matter and and it it can it can permeate in good ways and it can kind of get going in bad ways as well and not all of it is going to make sense and be rational Right, like that—that's the thing. I think we're sure. we're, we're trying to have a conversation. Where this is rational or not rational, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Like, Mm-mm. it's sports fandom. It's 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 the South End. It's not always the most rational. So, thing I'm not in the world. disputing with you about how fans feel about this team. Mm-hmm. I I have no question about it, and I guess my question is, as a whole, how much pressure is there on this team this weekend? 
is there do you guys feel like there's a lot of pressure on this team heading into well, saturday mathematically again? they're safe if they get if they get molly walked they're safe mathematically so in terms of pressure no but i mean in terms of internal pressure i think yes i think the team I, has well, to know that they're they're not performing to to where they'd like to be and i think they desperately want to open the season with a win at their at their home debut yeah, so I would say there's probably internal pressure there. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. I think there is pressure. I don't think it's the pressure of a manager might get sacked or they might fire a president or anything like that, or the fans are going to completely turn their backs and walk away, right? Like, I don't think it's that kind of pressure. But I think there is a pressure to perform. You know, I, I, I again, obviously, like you said, you don't want to watch a team go down 4 nil at home in your home opener again mm-hmm. for the second straight year in a row. Um, that's definitely not what you want to kick off the home campaign with. Of course, yes, it could turn into May and the team just clicks and everything starts going and everybody's happy again. That also can happen. But getting vibes off to a good start is important. And I, and I, and I think there is a bit of pressure, um, there, um, a, Mm -hmm. a bit, not a lot, but a bit. Yeah. They have to find a way to exercise, the demons of last year because that's still lingering over this team yeah yeah that's even the so last well two said. years really the last two years i think even the year before that Fair. like yep. the armies yep. year you know things Although that went wrong with Sattel, it does feel though. like a new era a it is a new era but i i, I do still, still think like players. not making the playoffs for two years you know a, a price increase conceded yeah 66 goals yeah. in two years and a price increase in season for most season ticket holders of up to maybe 25 percent you know that that is you know that's going to put a little pressure on you. One hundred percent. But let's 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 flip the script a little bit and talk a little bit about mm-hmm. Columbus um, and about yep. what we should expect by the visitors. Um, look, they're they're uh, they're one and one. So they lost on opening day in Philadelphia, four uh, one. It's a score line that I think flattered Philadelphia a little bit. Um, I, I thought Columbus played actually pretty well up into a point, and then the game kind of got away half, with it. Yeah. yeah, it got yeah, away yeah. from them a little bit. And then uh, they played DC, oddly enough, last weekend at home in their home opener, beat them 2-0. Um, and it was interesting to watch both games because um, – and you guys can you can you can back me up or you can sort of contradict it. Well, I want to hear I want to hear your your thoughts because well know I think really in looking at the first game like they both they want to keep possession right they they definitely want to mm-hmm. keep possession um, of the ball and and even against Philadelphia they did that quite well for for a bit in most of the first half in fact and and um, I thought two of the Philadelphia goals were quite fortunate because they were both called on hand balls that I don't think were really maybe the maybe the second one I could give them a, I could give a shout for handball the first one I don't think so I think the defender was too close um, I don't okay. I don't really think that would should have been called as handball um, but aside from that I thought they played quite well they thought they connected well their passes were connecting well. Cucho Hernandez and Lucas Zellerion already look in mid-season form. They're connecting well with each other, um, which I think could be a problem for TFC if they can start to get space and get in behind. Um, they Darlington Nagby also looks really good again. One of my um, favorite players. I love Darlington Nagby. Exactly, so right? Insanely good. That yeah. said, there is a way to get to Columbus. And, and, and it's sort of the same kind of thing Atlanta was doing last week, which is if they lose the ball in our half of the field or in, in the sort of in their offensive zone, 
they will press like crazy to try to get the ball back, which mm-hmm. means they leave only two center backs high up the pitch and back. So if TFC can connect some passes uh, together and get some runners in behind, there is opportunities to hit them on the counter. Um, and that's where I see an opportunity there. Of course, it depends on how TFC play. Um, they may Columbus may give up a little bit more of the ball this weekend um, to sit back and just say, hey, can you break us down? Um, but that's kind of what I saw out of Columbus um, in their first two games was a lot of possession, really, really good in terms of going forward and connecting passes, especially in the DC game. Um, but they can be broken on um, if, if you move the ball quickly and, and find willing runners in behind. I, yep. I covered, mm-hmm. I covered Columbus this weekend actually for MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Biggest story for this Columbus team is Wilfred Nancy, of course. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love uh, him. One of the, I think, one of the signings of the season, not just player, like him going there. It also tells so that Montreal's big. 0-2 right now, right? Like it's, it, yeah, there is sure. a story there. Um, mm-hmm. Columbus fans greeted Wilfred Nancy with a TIFO. I don't know if you guys saw that, but I, I thought that I was really that, yeah. cool uh, for them to do that. And Nancy touched on that after the game. He was, he loves seeing it. He says it an emotional guy. I guess... Like with this Columbus team, how quickly can they adapt to Wilfred Nancy style of play? That's that is that is one hundred percent my point. We're two games into his tenure at Columbus, and it is insane to me to say this because this team has got Darlington Nagby, but oh my God, Victor Wanyama was such an important player for Wilfred Nancy and Wilfred Nancy's system, and I don't think Columbus has the same control in the midfield as Montreal when they were fully cooked do. And that is so, so important to his system. So it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, these two teams match up really well with respect to questions about the midfield. I mean, they've got Zeller Ryan essentially playing as a second striker. They've got him in, in, in a Seba role now and he's developing uh, uh, chemistry with Hernandez and that's scary, but his, the best Wilford Nancy teams and the best game plans rely on that midfield to trap the ball, kill the tempo and, and just end games. I don't know if this Columbus team can do that, which is a knock against Nagby. Who's my, maybe my favorite six in MLS history. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a battle in the midfield and that fills me with a bit of dread because our midfield has certainly been misfiring ourselves. That'll definitely be an important part of the game. So, I don't think Columbus have yet to play Wilfred Nancy ball, which is a team that likes to control the game, even against DC United. I think there was large portions of that game where they were outplayed. And just talking to Nancy after the match, he wasn't happy with their team's performance. Hmm. And he wasn't afraid to to say it. Um, yeah, the two goals came kind of in transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they got scorched. No, it, exactly. Um, so... One of the, the article I guess I wrote was they could very well be threats in the East this season, but they also, you know, there's a good chance they they they're not. Don't figure it out, yeah. And yeah, yeah sure. I, I don't. I think the four one was a little bit unjustified against Philadelphia at at Philadelphia, so one of the toughest places in MLS to play. Probably the toughest fixture uh, this season. By the way, shout out to Miami who beat Philadelphia this weekend. Yeah, it yeah, was in yeah. Miami, but still, uh, really 
good result for them. I think they're two and zero this season. So two clean sheets yeah, back to back. Two yeah, yeah, two clean maybe sheets. Six points. My God. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, just back to Columbus. I understand they're coming in in good form and confident, but I, I think it's a winnable game. I, I really do. Oh, I think I think it's a winnable game, and I, I, for the reasons that I I mentioned, right? I think they can be caught in transition moments. I think they can, and it, it'll be interesting because Federico Bernadeschi's goals have been in those transition moments where he's able to get face a defender, run at them, and Richie is able because to they're too make busy looking at Richie. Runs. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, yeah, right. You always like look. The goal, yeah. the goal this weekend was was Beautiful. made because Richie made that run, and Gutman <laughs> stayed with Bernadeschi, but he had to respect the fact that he might go outside to Richie, and if Richie gets the ball in the box, no one wants to touch him. No one mm-hmm. wants to touch him because he's going to go down and he's going to win you a penalty. So, oh, yeah. uh, and that Michael that, Bradley ball and the Michael, ball, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's, Bradley and ball, again, that's where I think the opportunities are, right? If you mm-hmm. can find those moments where you can get Michael Bradley on the ball or you can get, I think also can hit a pass too. maybe not the same type of long, get a really so, nice pass to Bernadeschi exactly, post right. that Bernadeschi should have finished. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you can find those moments where, those midfielders can get that ball to Bernadeschi, hopefully Insigne. We don't know if he'll play. Um, then you might be in business. And then, of course, you know, I, we'll see how Io is. We don't know the extent of, you know, w- what he picked up. Apparently, he was feeling a hamstring, from my understanding. Um, both of them. Yeah. Both of them. Both, were both he and Diamande yeah. were, yeah. so we don't know. Mm-hmm. Hamstring. Uh, could be turf. Yeah, tightness. Could be, yeah. yeah. Is what we'll call it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe they'll play, maybe not. Maybe it's Hugo Mbonge. I thought Hugo actually gave a bit of an in-behind threat um, at the Me end too. of the Atlanta game. Um, and, and who knows? Maybe we do see him on Saturday. So um, who do you guys think starts at striker? Who's healthy? Somebody, yeah, that, that, that is really the question. I, I think I think Io probably is okay, and they may have taken him off as precaution. Um, so I could see him starting. Yeah, I, I don't know if they take him off as precaution, but Jeff, who do you think? Jordan Peruzza, let's go. Uh, I, got, I don't know, me? <laughs> Pokemon? Who knows? I got, I got DeAndre Kerr. <laughs> you got wow. DeAndre Kerr. He hasn't seen, DeAndre wow. hasn't seen minutes yet. Has not seen minutes yet, no. But he was had a non-COVID illness throughout preseason, True. so he was not like game ready, especially the first game. He was on the bench last game, but didn't. Didn't see minutes. I, I think he he might be the the one. We'll see if okay. if I was I'm, not able to go. On paper, this game is a game that is like designed for our Italian supercars to do Italian supercar things, right? Shred them on the flanks and transition moments. Get it out of the midfield. Avoid that battle altogether, and and just pot a bunch of goals. So so I'd like to see, I'd like you know I'd like to see both of both of the wingers do stuff. Speaking of flanks. Shout out Mo Farsi, by the way. Yeah, I know. Played all mm. 90 minutes for Columbus last week. So, yeah, he he's played in both games. So, uh, shout out the CPL uh, development pipeline, um, getting mm-hmm. him all, all the way now. He's uh, and, a regular and rest starter. in peace, Caden Chung at TFC. But I'm yeah, glad no. he landed with his feet at, at the other Vancouver. Yeah, in the new Vancouver. Yeah. Um, Vancouver. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I, again, the, the big question uh, for TFC fans, aside from the number nine position, is going to be who it does Lorenzo Insigne start. Mm-hmm. I guess the injury is not as bad as we thought it was going to be when he came off uh, on the uh, at the season opener. 
but I mean, do you take a chance now? Like, is it, is it, you know, is it good enough that he can train in full and, and really get a full week's training? Um, we'll see. It, right now it's kind of all speculation. Uh, we don't know. I want to see um, VV get some minutes. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's getting better. Yeah. He was on the bench last game. I think he was available. Uh, I'll let you guys know tomorrow. We'll see what Lauren's on soon is up to. Yeah, nice. for sure. Um, hopefully he's back in training. Uh, just the keys to victory I have down here is just put Columbus on pressure uh, under some pressure on the counter. Um, they're mm-hmm. going to want the ball. Um, so, so hit them in the counter if we can, um, you know, and, and from that perspective, handle the press um, when they do come to try to press and win the ball back. Um, yeah. TFC have to be better at that. They have not, they're not great. They just haven't been great with dealing with a press. Um, so they got to manage that and then find a way to control the temple at some point of the game. And this goes back to some, a lot of the comments, right? Like it's, and when I mean control the tempo, I don't necessarily mean that they again, have to have their foot on the ball and have 70% possession. That's not what I mean. I mean, don't turn this into a complete track meet, um, with Cucho Hernandez and Lucas Zellerion running at you all day. You do not want that. Yeah. Don't turn the ball um, exactly. over. That don't turn the ball over. Exactly. Yeah, please, please, exactly. for the love of, of soccer gods, don't do that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, uh, Mike, uh, we're going to c- finish off these over-unders here. Um, so love them. How many do we have left anyway? I think like six. Yeah, about six. Okay. Yeah, they're all so, secret. They're not on the rundown. So. I know. So they're, they're all, it's all you. They so, actually uh, are if you guys look closely and do your jobs. Ooh, what wow. are you talking about? Okay. Oh, no, I downloaded rude. it a long time ago. Rude. Wow, how rude. Rude. I'm prepared. <laughs> I do I see the non-professionals over here. Yeah, you put yeah, them in the wrong go. spot. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go back to <laughs> the group. You have segments, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead, Mike. All right. It's all you. So first one, just quickly, we don't have to spend too long on this one, but we do have to get mm. it in here. Uh, Greg Ranjit Singh. Over under half an appearance hasn't made an appearance under. for TFC this season, or sorry, ever the last two years. Um, but we will always have that one preseason half of Greg. Where everybody Rangers thought where, where he was amazing, and everybody Man, thought he was really he good. Was, he, was, he, he was really amazing. Fantastic. Everybody was like, so me? good, maybe. <laughs> no, under, yeah. not under. No, he's not under. like <laughs> yeah, under, under. Yeah, so under. let me under. Let me throw out a hypothetical to you guys. Gold Cup comes around. It's in season. There are six games during the Gold Cup that TFC are going to be playing. Right? There's no international window for the Fair. Gold Cup. Yeah. Sean Johnson gets called up by the United States. More than likely he will. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of depth, that goalkeeper. They do. Like but if for the Gold Cup, that. I could see them just bringing a lot of domestic guys. But who knows? We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, if it's not during a window, I think you're probably right, actually. But then again, Gaga is going to be on his off season. Um, Zach Steffen will be in his off season. Is he still in contention for the U.S. number one shirt? He has not had a good run. I don't know. I don't know. Is Sean Johnson in contention for the number one shirt? Probably. No, but number three. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Thomas Romero gets called up for El Salvador. Uh oh! Does Greg Ranjit Singh become your number three keeper and get an appearance under his belt? Okay, sure. That that could happen. I'll take the, I'll take the over. I'll take the over on that. <laughs> yeah, still take it. I'm still taking it. I'm still. Yeah, yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah, I'm still taking the over. No, he's Thomas my ride or die, buddy. I'm sold. <laughs> 
I would, yeah. I would, if anything, I've, I'd probably see Thomas Romero being like, ah, you know what? I won't take the call up to the Gold Cup. That's okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I had a good chat. We'll, we'll get to Thomas actually now. So, of course, he's going to take the call up. Come yeah, on. I'm going to, I'm going to go on. He's going to take well. the call up. I'm gonna, I, I feel like Luca Gavrin might be ahead of oh, him I, in the depth chart. I can't, um, I can't wait. I can't wait to beat you guys on that one by just my knee jerk change to over. I we'll cannot see. wait to win that one. But, all right. Moving on to Thomas Romero. So same reason. El Salvador is Thomas Romero. Yeah. Same reason I just said over under six and a half starts this season in all competitions. I know that's a lot, but hypothetically, if Sean Johnson gets called up to the gold cup and for whatever reason, Thomas Romero doesn't, does he start more than six and a half games? So as I just mentioned, it's six games during the world cup there. Jeff, uh, I'll, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Or go ahead, Mike. doesn't matter. No, no, Jeff. Go ahead. No, no, Mike, go, you go first. Yeah, I'll take the over. Um, because I think he, I don't I don't think he'll go to the gold cup. So um I'll take the over. And I he'll probably start at least like one or two of the Canadian championship games, right? So right there, that should be enough. Will plus he? League's Cup. Um EFC at Montreal more than likely first round. Is he starting that game? Uh no, fair enough. No, fair enough. Uh, okay, I'll give you fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Um I think he gets a League's Cup game. Now, it depends on how seriously TFC decide to take the League's Cup. That's the sort of wild card here is how seriously yeah, yeah. They, they take this. Um, but I, I figure he'll get a start in there at some point in the group, right? So um, within the Gold Cup run plus a League's Cup appearance, sure, I'll, get, I'll take the over. Mm-hmm. Jeff? I also take the over, yeah. Because I'm looking at the stats, you know, he didn't make any in 2022, but he made 18 under Bob Bradley in 2021. In 2021, So 6.5 yeah. seems like a pretty safe number considering the fixture congestion. And he is our number two. So, yeah, I'm would. I, I I'm going to take the over. I'm going to go under. Um, nice. He has been called up by El Salvador before, and I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be this time around. And he told me... And maybe this is me cheating a little bit, but I had a, a chat with him. Uh, I think it was last week. It's insider he information. Me, he told me one of his personal goals this year was to play for El Salvador. So I don't think he would reject the call-up. Maybe he would under certain circumstances if he's not going to start and TFC say, hey, you stay, you'll start games for us. Um, the other thing is, and I think it's worth mentioning, though I don't think it's going to come to fruition just based off what we saw, he said one thing about Bob Bradley that he's learned and why he was so excited to come to TFC, even in a backup role, is that if a goalie's not playing well, it doesn't matter who you are, Bob Bradley will pull the plug and put the backup in that. Like he isn't afraid to do that. Um well, he did that in LAFC, right? I think it was Vimir. That's exactly that was what happened. Him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Vimir was a disaster. I mean. was, was <laughs> yeah. So just throwing that out there as well. I thought that was pretty cool piece of information, um, but I'm going to go under overall. I actually yep. think it's more likely that Thomas Romero gets called up for El Salvador than maybe Sean Johnson for the States. Fair enough. Okay. I don't, I'll take I'm that. Off by saying that, but yeah, I'll take I don't that. know. Um, all right. So next up we have, who do we have? Sigurd. Okay, yeah, Sigurd Rostad, over under one and a half goals this season for Toronto FC. We haven't really seen it much yet, but he is an aerial threat off set pieces. Um, Just reading some of his stats, last season he had one goal 
in the year before he had three the year before that he had one and then when he was with i think it was genk he had mm-hmm. six in 2018 love that joker um so over under one and a half goals in all competitions this season for sig and roasted mike what do you think i'll go under and i think he'll get one so that's technically under what did, hmm. what did you guys thought about Sigurd Rosted, by the way, just overall? Okay. I, I, okay, but I think he is sort of, he's he's definitely still learning his teammates and learning how to play with Matt Hedges and Petretta. And, you know, I, I think he's still figuring mm-hmm. it out right now. I, it's hard to give him a letter grade because, again, like he showed up yeah. with, with like two weeks left of training camp. Like it, it's, he, he's very much still in kind of preseason in terms of just figuring out his teammates. And he's also the kind of defender that he's, he's going to give you anxiety, right? Like that's just sort of the role he has to play at TFC. So what yeah, mean I mean, he's that? succeeding. Well, it's like, you know, Drew Moore didn't give me the same level of anxiety that Chris Mavinga did on, on a regular game day, right? Just, just by virtue of the type of players that they are. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, I see the potential. He looks like a, like a, like a big boy that can be an aerial threat. Um, but I agree with Mike. He seems to be looking for his feet. Um, considering how much I wanted Oro to score a goal, and I don't think he ever did for TFC, uh, I'm going to go under as well for Sigur. I'm going to go over. Why not? Nice. Mix it up. I thought he was much better against Atlanta than he was against DC United. Yeah, and maybe that's just the the sense that you know you have to gel alongside your back line is kind of you guys touched on already so yeah we'll see what he looks like going along but actually jeff i actually think he's closer to drew moore type than he is a chris mavinga type really both the tsc Hmm. center backs are that's the way that they're they're both they don't seem like much very much risk takers oh i want i want a karate chop center back that was that's my favorite but is that what you've seen so far i know he's been he's been aggressive and he hasn't that's what i've seen but i trust your insight I trust your insight. He definitely seems more aggressive than Matt Hedges to me. Definitely. Definitely. definitely yeah. But, but he, he yeah, does yeah. feel like Chris, like obviously I think Chris Maving is maybe the, on the extreme end of this which is why extreme. I think he's closer to, yeah. to Drew Moore. Um, okay. But he doesn't seem like he jumps in and takes gambles as much as, as a guy like Chris Mavinga did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I, well, I agree I mean, with that. Not, not many people could. <laughs> that, was <sort> of, <laughs> that was sort of his superpower, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Hey, but man, if you need a track back tackle, Except we've all seen the video for why he 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 was a pariah in Europe, right? Like oh, why yeah, he came yeah. to TFC in the first place. Like he took someone's jaw clean off with like a double dragon kick, uh, and it was not it was not happy. <laughs> um, yeah, let's right. move on. Brandon Cervania, uh, we talked about him a little bit already on this show. Over under fifteen and a half MLS starts. And just for context, he hit his career high last season with 15 starts with FC Dallas. Uh, started a lot in the first half of the season and then sort of dropped out of their plans. Um, Matt Hedge was saying he's not really sure why. The team was doing well when Cervania was in the lineup and then kind of fell out of the pecking order there. So over mm-hmm. under 15 and a half starts for Brandon Cervania. MLS starts for Brandon Cervania. got one already. Jeff, what do you think? Two. He's one for two. I, You know what? It seems like a high number, but I'm going to go over. I agree with Turtz McGirtz. I, it seems like a high number to me, but it's a long seat. 
Oh, you did say MLS starts. Does League's Cup included in MLS starts, or is it then I'm just going under? Lead, just regular season. Then I'm going under. Yeah. What a trick question. <laughs> I, mean, I thought I emphasized <laughs> it like four times. Yeah, no, you did. I just did. Yeah. You tricked me. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> going over. I am actually going to go on the over. I think he will get fit. At, at, I think he can get more than 15 starts this year, right? Like, in, it's a long season, like you said. MLS injuries, starts? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Injuries can happen. <laughs> um, you know, the, this we had a conversation about Mark Anthony K. They may, you know, and you just also mentioned it. Bob Bradley does not shy away. doesn't matter who you are. If you're not playing, they'll pull you. So um, I could see a, a scenario where Brandon Servania maybe gets a, a little run of starts at some point. Um, especially again, you, you mentioned it, right? There's six games during the gold cup. Mark Anthony K is probably getting called up. Jonathan Osorio definitely getting called up for the gold fair, cup. Fair. So he's going to get a run of starts at some point. Right. So that already is going to put you in a good spot to get you over 15. So I will take the over. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm so over on this. Yeah. Uh, now we're all smashing just, the, over. also the okay. fact, also the fact that like he didn't play in central midfield in his first start. Right, he started on the right mid, uh, in whatever the four-two-three-one that they had going on. So the fact that I feel like at this point in time, he might be to start Victor Vasquez aside the first name off TFC's bench is Brandon Cervania. Yeah, so one A, one B. I think depending. I think on the game I, states, I, I yeah. feel like he'll get like close to twenty starts this year. Yeah, wow, I think that's fair. I think I yeah I I wouldn't put that by him at all. No, he's twenty-three too, right? So. Like he's only going to get better. And the one thing that this TFC team, we didn't really touch on this. They lack so much speed. Yeah, I feel I like that's, that's where they really miss a guy like Jaden Nelson. Cause he brought mm-hmm. that little bit of dynamism and energy into their lineup that no one on this team offers or has. Well, I was saying not to get rid of him, uh, but I get why you have to get rid of him. But yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think Brandon Cervania can actually offer a decent amount of movement that a lot of TFC players can't. So I'm just really high on him. Anyways, moving on. I love Cozy this one. Thompson. I love this one, by the way. This <laughs> yeah, one's my favorite one, one so far. I think I'm done. <laughs> Over, under, two and a half different positions this year. Cozy Thompson. Oh, Cozy. Last season. Oh, man. Bit of a Swiss oh, Army knife last season. Uh, he played right mm-hmm. mid. He played right back. He played center mid. And he played attacking mid. If you guys can remember, actually, at the start of preseason, uh, attacking midfielder came in as a yeah in place of Alejandro Pozuelo. So over under two and a half positions played this year for Josie Thompson. For context, he came on at right mid for TFC um, Mm. on Saturday. He came on for Brandon Cervania. Okay, so are we seeing two different positions aside from the ones that he already that you have listed here, or is he just like he comes in as a right mid? Yeah, hasn't he, he hit that already? Yeah, <laughs> he comes in as, as like a, a right back, a right mid, a center yeah, mid, yeah, yeah. Okay. attacking mid. Over, right. over. Yeah, like, over. safest <laughs> bet okay, in the world. So let's let's go a step further. Obviously, you guys are hitting mm-hmm. me over there, Jeff. What positions do you think he'll come in as? Ball boy, corner flag. <laughs> <Get out here>. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I, I, I don't know. And I think that that speaks to this. I, I don't know what is, what his natural position is. Um, so yeah. Mike, what, what position do you think he'll come in as? Mainly as a midfielder, all the midfield positions. He'll, he'll probably end up filling 
all uh, maybe aside from Michael Bradley, right? Like he probably won't play that role, but he'll play all the midfield positions. And with when you us say not fully knowing like left wing, right wing in that. So the four, I guess, three positions, it would be left wing, right wing yeah. and center mid. Well, he'll probably, yeah, I, I mean, he's mostly center mid, probably right and left mid. If you play that four, two, three, one, if he comes in um, from a four, three, three position, yeah, he could maybe play um, like left. You could play left or right mid. Um, <laughs> Cozy goes in over Richardson. Yeah, probably. Um, but, <laughs> but like, also, we don't know what the, 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 the status of Richie Larea is yet. We do think something might get worked out with Nottingham Forest. Good. It's going to get done. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. But even then, still, right? Richie Larea still has to go to the Gold Cup, too, right? So you need a right back. And right now, you know. It's Jaquille. And, and you Kobe think Jaquille would? Yeah, fair. I, I wouldn't put him back in the put Kosi there at least once, either as a sub or as a starter. For sure. So, for sure. Yeah. More of the story is over. Just, just to go down. Wow. I'm going to say. Wow. Okay. I feel like they have more of a plan this year. Although one of the more useful things about Kosi Thompson is that he is a bit of a Swiss army knife. And I think a lot of their kids, you can say that for that they've developed here is that they can play multiple positions and that's a good benefit and a good thing to have off your bench. Um, are we down to our, we're down to our last one of the over and well, what a last least, one. Thank yeah, you. What a Thank way you for off. putting him last. What a way to go out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Victor Vasquez. Ugh. This one's it's it's a tough one, I think. Over under six and a half assists in all competitions this mm. season. Six and a half assists. So just going through his stats, he had four in 2022 last year with the Galaxy, six in 2021 with the Galaxy, nine in 2018 with Toronto FC, and then 2017. Have you guys looked at the rundown yet? No, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I knew that I knew this you number know? already. Yeah. yeah, I knew this 16 number. assists. What a player! What a guy! What a guy! Eight goals that year too. Um, so what over under six and a half assists in all competitions. Mike Newell, what do you think? Under, and then that oh. and that's not a that's not a Victor Vasquez is not a good player anymore or anything like that. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jeff, um, well, you know I'm over. I'm so yeah, I'm so over. I'm so over. I like I, 400 assists. He's going to get 400 assists, but he's definitely going to get more than 6.5. I think uh, it's a safe bet. Like he didn't play a lot in 2022 and, and Greg went for a, a different look. Like his, his role lessened quite a bit in 2022 at the LA galaxy. But if you look at, you know, when he was playing more regular minutes and of course he was healthier, he got his six. So 6.5, I think is, uh, I it's close. Like everyone's saying it, you know, it, it's close, but, but uh I believe in my heart that he's going to he's going to go over. Yeah, gotcha. sorry there, guys. And like where you said, you were saying yeah, I got to, yeah, said, I said under, under. Yeah, and I went under, the, and, and it's not worth him. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, not because it's a it's a bad season. I just think those opportunities might be a little harder to come by um, this season, given the squad. Um, I, I think a lot of those assist numbers are also going to come from the way that these the count assists like Lorenzo and Federico may take up a lot of those opportunities where he's going to put guys in really good positions to make that then final killer pass. Mm. Um, so that's just, that is just a, a, I think a product of that more than anything. I'm going to say over 
um, Thank you. because I think he's going to be a lot more important to TFC than maybe some people think. Um, he's the only midfielder right now that I'm confident can continuously pick the final pass. And I think he's going to be brought on to be that guy that is a creator and does unlock defenses uh, when TFC's midfield doesn't give you too, too much of that. Um, yep. So I'm going to take the over, and I think he's actually going to be uh, way more important than maybe TFC had planned from the jump. <laughs> is that a good thing? It's not, that's not a great thing, but... It, it is a thing. <laughs> what about... I'm just thinking out loud. What about Victor Vasquez, false nine? Sure. He was like scoring more Fabregas goals than Messi. Style, like, yeah. like Spain. Oh, you said the you magic know, words. You said the magic words. You know, like words. Spanish course, yeah. number nine style. Where you're, not no. at, you're not even close. You're more of a number 10. No. I, like, I, well, I don't I mean, think it's about the legs for a false nine. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing, right? Sure. Like, you're still going to need a false nine at times to kind of press the ball and, and run yeah, and do those work. Stand. Like, Paz played false nine in 2019. Yeah, I mean, but he ran. He ran. So like, he ran a lot. Yeah. yeah, remember, right? So, like, like it, from a decent amount, yeah, yeah, and I, and I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying Victor Vasquez is old for the earth. He still can run. He's still gonna have like juice in the tank for sure. He's but, got half a back. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, is that really again? It's the is that the best way you really want to be using Victor Vasquez? Like, I if Victor Vasquez has to play false nine, something has seriously gone wrong with this team. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to see it. I, I, I know I'm, you're in. I know yeah, you just I'm want the chaos. In. I'm just telling you the chaos. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm kind of in for the vibes I was talking about earlier. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah, vibes yeah. are going to be not be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And people love Andrew, Victor Vasquez. Andrew Armour would would actually like a real nine, but uh, I think <laughs> <laughs> I would like a real nine. That's a great comment. I like oh, that a lot. And that's a great comment to end the show on. Uh, um, thank you again for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. We appreciate you guys tuning in every week and giving us uh, your comments. You guys have been killing it both in the live show and on Twitter. We're hoping to announce something really special in the upcoming weeks. Um, so keep tuned for that. That will be that will be a little bit of fun. Uh, but we will be back next Monday recapping the home opener. Uh, do all the things like subscribe, review Toronto Till I Die wherever you get the show, whether you listen to the podcast or watch it live on YouTube. Just search Toronto Till I Die. We're all on the all the platforms so you can find us there. Um, lastly, the Tunnel Club uh, is with Sean Levy and myself. We'll be back on Sunday um, recapping the home opener. We will so be good. drinking too many drinks uh, on Saturday to do a show after the game. So we thought it just, you know, for your listening pleasure, it'd be best to just do it on Sunday. So we One will do it One of the best Sunday. decisions we ever made. Remember when we tried to do it like right after the show? Yeah, and it was oh, like, yeah. we tried to do that. Like we were in the line. <laughs> yeah, we were in the line to try to get into the first game back in 2021. Just bad, oh idea. bad idea. Um, just follow yeah, us at yeah. uh, TFC Tunnel Club for the show times and for the links. Um, and for Michael Singh and for Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next week. Cheers, everybody. And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC Telanda. Thank <laughs> you.